not only eating good, healthy food, but doing it together. This is the Begin Within podcast, where we believe real, lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you. Produced by BeginWithin.fit. Hey there, welcome to episode 53 of the Begin Within podcast. Before we jump into our interview, I want to ask you to do me a really quick favor. If you would, it'll only take you a few seconds. If you haven't already, please rate and review this show on your podcast player. Uh, Lots of podcast players give the opportunity to give it five-star rating, if that's how you feel about it. And also, some let you write a review. If you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts, for example, you have the opportunity to type a little message about how awesome this show is and about all the great things that you've learned. If you wouldn't mind doing that for me, it would mean so much. And the reason I'm asking you to do it is podcast players prioritize shows that have more interaction from listeners. So if you rate and review this show, when the next person comes along and searches for a weight loss, health, or fitness, they're more likely to have the Begin Within podcast in their results. If you've already rated the show, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, thank you in advance for taking the time to do that. Put the show on pause or flip over on your on your phone and do it right now. Thanks so much. All right, let's dig into our episode for this week. We've got Lynn Bowman back on the show. You might remember her from episode number 45. She was talking about her book, Brownies for Breakfast. And that book is still available. I will link to it in the show notes. And of course, that episode is still available. If you really appreciate Lynn's message and you want to check it out, please go back, take a look at episode 45. Here are a few things that I think you will take away from this episode. Just a few gems for you to listen closely for. Lynn's going to talk early on about a parent's main job. Listen for that. She's also going to talk about the value of eating at the table. Something we've talked about before. She's got a fresh take on it. I think you're really going to appreciate it. And then finally, she talks about getting kids involved in the process and how you can do it, why you should do it, why it's so beneficial, not just for them, but also for you as a parent who's trying to be healthy. She's also going to talk about being busy. And I think you'll agree, we're all very busy. You know, I haven't really heard anyone lately tell me that they're bored, that they're just not busy enough. They wish they were busier. Here's the reality. We're all very busy. And sometimes that's the number one reason why we don't do more for our health and for the health of our family. 
Lynn will address that as well. And before we dive in, I just want to give you kind of a, a little bit of a, a forewarning that it's coming, but I also want you to think about priorities and how that really helps with busyness because she is going to talk about priorities in those three areas that I just mentioned. So please enjoy this interview, take some notes, and be ready to make some changes, even if they're changes at home, that you can that you can do to help your family to move in a healthier direction. Here's my interview with Lynn Bowman. I want everybody healthy uh, because when everyone is healthy, everything goes better. Yeah. Every parent now understands the disruption and the difficulty. Everyone is way oversubscribed anyway. I mean, everybody's doing too much to begin with. So when a kid has a problem, all of a sudden the whole thing gets thrown even worse off kilter. Uh, and I, as a single parent back in the day, I had three little ones like boom, 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 three in a row. And so I, I, I get it, absolutely. And of course we all know that kids are little Petri dishes. They are gonna give each other all these little things, the colds that um, come around, they lick each other and you know, eat each other's sandwiches and all yeah. that stuff. So, um, that's how that happens. But you're, I feel deeply that your responsibility as a parent is to do, and I don't think people are going to argue with me about this, is to do everything you can do to keep your kids healthy. But also let's add to that, you got to do everything you can do to keep yourself yourself healthy and nothing is more important to that than what you're eating um and i think that with all the busyness going on now everybody has to have two languages and three sports and you know you're you're singing in the choir and the kids are all doing they're going different directions and you're spending your lives in the car hauling these, these little boogers around doing all this stuff well, what's been thrown out of the Conestoga wagon is, I would argue, maybe the most important thing of all, and you've ditched it. And that's not only eating good, healthy food, but doing it together, mm -hmm. doing it at the table. Because food isn't just food. Food is culture and connection, and not only connection with each other, but connection with the earth and connection with your family, greater family and your friends and the people down the hall. When you have people at your table, you're teaching your children how to be human. Mm. When they are narfing down a Whataburger in the car, I would argue that they're not learning how to be the kind of human that you really wanna bring into the world. Having one more spoken language or one more sport or whatever. And we all, and of course, you know, it's no secret, Nate, that I'm older than dirt. So I have a, a kind of a, a, a way grandma point of view on this. But when, when my kids now in their 40s and I look back on what mattered, what do, what do they tell me? What do they say? You know, my thank you for that or this, or I wish you hadn't done that that comes up too, but what they appreciate about the upbringing that they had is that we sat together 
we sat at a table together. There was a bit of a routine. My superpower was that I could get a meal on the table in 15 minutes. I mean, boom, we got home. And you all know what that feels like. Get home and everybody's got stuff to unload and they're arguing, they're punching each other and everything's happening. But I prioritized putting good, real food on the table. And you have asked me, well, where did that cut? You know, have you always been like that? Yeah. I was a hippie, dude. I mean, I graduated <laughs> in... In 1964 from high school. So um, I, I graduated right into little calico dresses. And, you know, I wanted to raise my own food and be connected with the universe and mm. all that stuff that all of a sudden and I wanted to light all of what used to be on fire. And we did some of that. Um, but somehow I had got the message and I had begun reading fairly early Adele Davis and some other people about <clears throat> what food really was meant to be. And you also know, I think that, that my mother died when I was 18, which I mentioned because mm -hmm. it's, it changes your life. Losing a parent, especially your primary caregiver, parent, mom, at an early age does so many, I mean, the whole course of your life changes. But one of the things that was her gift to me was that I was determined I was never going to leave my kids mm -hmm. if I could help it. I was going to be there for them. And I knew that that sometimes things happen. You can't always help it, but I wasn't going to leave because of some negligence because, because of some, something that I could fix or change. And as parents, you have control, you have power. You may say, well, yeah, but they got, no, you have enormous power to influence this in your kids and yourself. And I've also joked with you about the fact that I know lots of people who spend a great deal more time and energy and money making sure that their poodle has mm -hmm. better food, right. you know, better nutrition, and they won't let them eat this or that. And they really want and don't give them treats that aren't good for them. Well, how about that for your kids? You know, um, yeah. and, and the things that I, um, prescribe, if you will, in my book and in person, uh, people ask me, what are the things you would change? What are the first one, two, three things that you would advise people to do or to do differently? When yeah. they feed kids? I've already said one, sit at the table, sit, don't eat standing, you know, sit, use utensils. Um, so that's the thing. Yeah. But can I interrupt you for just a sec? Because it's hard, but go ahead and try. The one of the last times that we talked, you you talked about the table in such a way that I was just like, wow, like the like it was a I don't know, it was just like the hub of you know everything for the family, and you, you mentioned you know some of the things you even learned at the table. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, what what's so important about the table? Well, to me, a table is a holy place. Uh, and if you look around at what goes on in the world, you know, when you want something to happen, when you really want to get together and make a decision or influence someone, you don't sit side by side. You don't stand up and you sit at a table across, hopefully a small table and you offer food and it's, <laughs> it's, it's old but it's true that when people refuse your food, they are refusing to negotiate with you, refusing to deal with you. 
I mean, you yeah. start thinking about the traditions behind table and eating and culture at the table. And I grew up sitting at the table with my parents every night for dinner. I mean, my poor dad driving, I don't know how far and, you know, coming, but, and we would wait for him and then we would sit at the table. And what I learned at the table was how to fight fair, you know, how to negotiate, how to tell a story, how to be heard. And I was the youngest. So dude, I, you know, I had to really punch good to get in there and, uh, and keep it civil, but make a point and so on. And we had real food now in the fifties, you know, we can argue about what that real food was. It was not always the greatest because it was the beginning of processed food. Right. And all of the, the determinants, all of the, the research about food, food related chronic disease tells us that this past 70 years has been bad. I mean, it's just gone down, 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 down. So table, um, Table. Number one. Yes. And I don't want y'all parents sending your kids out into the world at the age of 17 or 18 to college, being the one who sits down with their new friends and doesn't know how to use a utensil, Hmm. doesn't know what a cloth napkin is for, doesn't know how to pass things and, and courtesy of table. That's part of the food that if food is not just food, Food is, well, in me, it's kind of a religion, as you know, but it's food is connection in every way. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we talk so much about food in the sense of like, you know, nourishment for our own kind of cells. Sometimes we talk about it in terms of nourishment for our heart and soul, you know, soul food or comfort food. But I, I love your focus on how it helps us connect with the world outside of us, like you mentioned the earth, but also the people, but it only does that if we sit down. And Nate, it's, them. it's about connecting with people that maybe aren't in your family. And, and what I always suggest to people that, and this is not, this is not just feel good talk. This is actually science-based being healthy talk. When you eat alone, you don't eat well. It's mm-hmm. that simple. The, the, all of the research indicates very clearly that people who eat together eat better and they digest their food better. So uh, even if you're just thinking of it in terms of being pumped up and stronger, go down the hall and knock on a door and say, Mr. Johnson, would you like to sit with us tonight? How about that? You know, I mean, yeah. talk to people, invite people. And of course, here we are in the time of COVID but have some fun with that if there's any way. Invite somebody to sit on a bench with you. Um, have people as part of your eating ritual mm-hmm. if you can. Stop yeah. eating alone in your car. It's not good for you. And it's not good for your kids. Yeah. I was laughing because uh, if you were watching me when, whenever uh-huh. my wife Amanda is like traveling for work or, you know, and I'm alone, I always say like, I just turn into like a total slob and eat terribly when she's not around. (laughs) And and that's exactly what a whole, and if you've seen the statistics on how many people are now living alone, not married, not made it up and everybody, I mean, it's, it is an epidemic literally of loneliness and you might not even think of it as being lonely you might just think of it as being alone 
but there is definitely an epidemic of loneliness. So I'd like to suggest that each one of you and, and demo this for your kids, show your kids how to show love to the community. And one of the ways they can do that is to share food and have a table that includes people in a really comfortable, normal, yeah, come and sit down with us. You know, that, that is one of the best, oldest, tried and true ways of showing love that there is. Maybe it is the best one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. It doesn't matter who you are. It just doesn't matter who you are. That's a way to show love. And people, even if they're not crazy about your food or they're not accustomed to, you know, the kind of food that you have, they are likely to respond by trying and ask. I mean, get people involved in your eating if nice. you possibly can. Yeah. So we're talking about the importance of sitting down at the table, getting other people involved. Is there anything else that, that you would give in terms of advice? Yes. Cook with your kids. You are not their servant. You're their teacher. I love it. And everybody has time for the Mandarin lesson and the kickboxing and everything. And you are forgetting the most important skill a kid can leave home with. That's how to make a meal. And I want your kid to be the one in the dorm that goes, no, cool. I can do this. I can teach you how to make. That is a basic competence that we have, again, thrown out of the Conestoga wagon. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah. Every kid needs to know how to make some basic food and, and how to run some laundry and some other things. But, <laughs> but the food is key. They need to know how to peel a cucumber and they need to know how to scramble an egg without wrecking it. All this stuff is key. And not only that, but you have taught them that they are not the ones sitting on their butts being waited on. You want your kids to be the ones who get up and say, I'll help you with that, Mrs. Johnson. Mm. Please Take let me load the dishwasher. Yeah. Who doesn't love that? I mean, that, that's great stuff. But parents are forgetting. And my kids, because I was a single mom, you know, my kids were so they were two, three and four. When I became a single mom, they loaded that dishwasher badly. It's OK. They learned how to do it. They learned how to cook. They learned how to set the table and they cleared the table. I mean, if some kid got up and uh, they, they heard about it from mom, it's like, wait, what am I chopped liver? Where are you going? I wasn't there to wait on them. I was there to teach them. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, as I'm listening, I can imagine that putting those things into practice helps the whole family just to appreciate what's on the table. Oh, you even bet. more. You bet. And gardening with your kids is genius. Mm. And moms, dads ask me, how do you get your kid to eat the vegetables? How, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. How, how do you get your kids to eat? <laughs> how do you get podcasters to remember to take their phone out of the room before? <laughs> Come on, Lynn, what's wrong with you? No you worries. <laughs> The phone ringing, by the way, is my youngest daughter who has a new baby. And I, oh. I know I love it's like, hi, honey. Um, I love that she's calling. They still speak to me, believe it or not. So, OK, where were we um, before we were so um, we were talking about how it, it develops. You develop appreciation when you have a share in it, even gardening. How do you get your yes. kids to 
and kids will eat what they cook. Mm. It's that simple. If you want your kid to eat broccoli, stand at the sink with your kid and teach them how to cook broccoli mm. or say to them, would you do some vegetables for us tonight? What kind? You choose. You cook. Nice. Make that kid responsible for serving their vegetables to the family and then have them feel the sting when people go, ew. It's the whole process, right? It's learning how to do it, learning where it, how it's done and where it comes from, and then how to serve it and how to relate to your guests or the people who are eating the food. You're, if your kids have the experience of cooking for their siblings, for example, or for you, and if you sit there and go, oh, that's a, that stings. Mm -hmm. That stings. And yet you as parents all the time have your kids going, we don't want that. Mm -hmm. And you're just taking it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I can see, uh, I can see how it can help and also teach those greater skills that you're talking about of social interaction and how to, how to treat someone who's providing food for you. How to be a better human. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. What I'm curious now, just kind of wrapping up we talked about a lot, how, you know, how busy so many people are, um, the challenges that parents face and some of the ways that they can just kind of slow down and start appreciating food and having a healthier situation around the table. What, what would you recommend Lynn as the, maybe one of the best ways to get started? If someone's listening and they're thinking, Whoa, family, I, meeting. family, family meeting. meeting. Yeah. What's the meeting? What's the meeting like? And also this is, I taught my kids business from a very early okay. time because that was the language I knew. It's like, we're having a meeting. All right. So I want some priorities here. What's working. What's not. I want to hear from each of you. What's working? Okay. What's not? If you could get rid of something and stop doing something, what would it be? How could we improve our system here? It's just the way a business works. And you want to hear from them because you're going to have a kid say, you know, Ma, I really don't like soccer. And you'll go, what? And, and I'm this is, is from my own experience. I was taking three little ones to three different practices in three different uniforms and at three different times because we thought they wanted to play soccer. And then that day they went, you know what? No, we don't really like it that much. <sighs> Done. No more soccer. And then you have all that off your plate. Mm -hmm. The snack mom stuff, the, you know, washing the uniforms, the driving and the sun. Think about what's involved with any one of these activities that you're doing and whether or not this is a thing that as an adult, your kid will go, wow, I'm so glad we did that. Mm. It's a nice Soccer? way to yeah, I don't know. think about prioritizing how yeah. we're using our time. Yeah. yeah. And what we did, strangely, it just worked out this way. Um, I asked each of the kids what their sport, their fantasy sport would be. What would they really like to do if they could do anything? in a sport, just a sport, a physical thing. And my son came back with fencing. What? <laughs> he said, fencing, uh, excuse me. And so the next thing I knew, he has done some research and he's found this fencing sal not far from home. And the girl said, yeah, that sounds like fun. And so we went and re you know, met the people and researched it. So my kids all ended up fencing in the same room at mm. the same 
time with a brilliant teacher who is still a friend. I love her so much. And my youngest ended up starting a fencing team at her college as a result of it. Um, and some people think of it as a sort of an elite sport. I assure you it is not. Um, it's, it's rough and tumble, but it's, it's very mental and, and very physical at the same time. For them, it's great. All about the people who are doing it. It's all yeah. about the coaches, just like anything. Hmm. But that was our solution. Yeah. Find a thing that they all agreed on. And, and it was closer to home. It didn't involve the, you know, washing the uniform, no snack moms. It was, it was easier. So have a family meeting, prioritize. Yeah. Nice. Great. How can those listening follow your work? I hope they, they will think about doing that. It's lynnbowman.com, L-Y-N-N-E. B-O-W-M-A-N.com. It's not an extensive website, but it'll put you in touch with me. It'll give you an idea of what's going on. And there is a place there where you can message me. And I would encourage you to please do that. Ask me questions. Uh, I'll do a YouTube for you <laughs> if you ask me a thing. And, and if you look at my YouTube, you'll see that I have a, a lot of parenting stuff on there that is a response to people's questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I really encourage you to ask me, and what are my qualifications, you ask? I have three kids in their 40s, no felons so far, okay? That's how you know it works. Awesome. They have awesome. survived, and they're all independent, by the way. <laughs> Very independent. Beautiful. <laughs> Lynn Bowman, thank you so much for being on the show again. Nate, uh, you know, I'll come back and, and be here with you whenever you ask me. I love this. I want to thank Lynn Bowman once again for being here on the show with us this week. I will link to her website, which she mentioned in the interview. I'll link to that in the show notes as well as to her book, Brownies for Breakfast. So please check those things out and continue to follow her work. Also, I left the ringing phone in for you. I thought, you know what? That is just real. Like, that's just the way it is when you are a busy parent. You have phones ringing. You have things to do. You have priorities to take care of. And that brings me back to the number one thing that I asked you to listen for, or at least the first thing that I asked, asked you to listen for, and that was the parent's main job, right? I want to review that just briefly here at the end, I loved Lynn's point. A parent's main job is to do everything you can to keep your kids healthy. And of course, you know, health in, in all ways, right? Holistically, keep your kids healthy. But one of the, honestly, one of the easiest ways that you can do it when we're trying to take care of kids emotionally, you know, psychologically, spiritually, one of the easiest ways to keep your kids healthy is physically, right? And the best way to do that is to provide good, healthy food. And of course, doing everything you can to keep yourself healthy so that you can take care of everyone else. So yes, parents' main job. I hope that doesn't put too much pressure on you. And again, I'm not up on any soapbox here because I... 
I'm not a parent, but I understand the job is very tough and priorities will always help, right? No matter how complicated something is, no matter how busy we might be, priorities are always the answer. So remembering the main job and how healthy food connects to that. Also, number two, I asked you to listen for when she talked about that magic word, table. Did you get the sense? It's such a special thing for Lynn. That word table, it's like, it's got a capital T for her. She doesn't say the table. She says table. It's table. Learn table. Teach table. Um, Like it's a course. It's an important piece of life. Table. Maybe the name of a very important member of the family. Table. And around that table, what is happening? Of course, in the center would be the food. But around the table is connection. Around the table is learning. Around the table is relationships and how meals together help to teach your children how to be better humans. And I I couldn't help but, but really think about that for myself growing up. I was blessed to be part of a family where we sat down every single night just about every single night um sometimes in the weekends it was a little bit of a a free for all friday nights um if you've listened to the episode you know that we had kind of fun food night but otherwise we were at the table and you know it's interesting to lynn's point the things that i learned around the table about how to interact with people how to deal with people's frustrations and feelings. You know, there are certainly times when someone got upset and maybe left the table and how, you know, how to repair those relationships. Like it all happened there in the dining room. And looking back, um, it's interesting to think about all the things that I learned at the table, being at the table around that food. Food is connection. Uh, What a cool, cool takeaway from this interview. And then finally, that piece about getting kids involved in the process, cooking with them, teaching them how to make basic food so that they can do it for themselves and involving them in the process so that they have more interest in eating it, right? When they've created it or they learn how to deal with people kind of turning up their nose at the foods that they've made and they think about how that makes them feel when it comes to connection with those that would have um, had some of that food that they created. So what an interesting thing to think about all the benefits of having kids involved in the process, not not just the process of cooking, yes, the process of cooking, but also maybe the process of shopping, the process of gardening to get that food to grow, harvesting that food. Wow, what an impact that that would have. So the question is, what are you demoing? What are you teaching kids by your example? Are you communicating to them that eating healthy food is possible? Or does your behavior teach them that healthy cooking is just plain too hard to do? Because if that's what they're learning right now from you, that's what they're going to believe. That's what they're going to believe as they grow up that healthy eating is just too hard, that the quick 
fixes the less healthy food is actually the only thing that's feasible. It's the only thing that's practical to do. So again, I'm not a parent. I'm just passing on the message from a parent. (laughs) A parent who's done this for a very long time, has a lot of experience, and articulates very well. Lynn Bowman. Thanks again for being on the show. And for all of us, what a beautiful opportunity to think about what our main job is when it comes to health. To think about the benefits of table and how we can create connection and all get involved in the process together of creating healthy meals. And not only will that benefit us and benefit kids, but it'll make the job easier if there's more people involved, right? Over time. And so then eating healthy becomes less of a chore and more of a source of connection, more of something that we all need in our lives. Before I let you go, I want to ask you to check out my ebook, a book I just wrote, The Five Ways You're Wrecking Your Weight Loss. If weight loss is a goal of yours, I want to ask you, please, to check it out if you haven't already. The link is going to be in the show notes for you to download that free ebook and learn the five ways that you may be wrecking your weight loss. Please check it out. And let me know what you think. I want to thank you so much for joining me here on the Begin With End podcast this week. I will talk to you again next week. 